Well, this morning we're continuing in our series, which we started last week, called Rebuild. And today we're looking at the subject of biblical hope. You know, whenever the message of Christ is preached, it will always produce hope in the hearer. So whether it's healing, whether it's love, whether it's forgiveness that you need today, you can experience it because Jesus is your hope. You know, in September, as we were just spending some time in fasting and prayer and just being in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit spoke to us and he gave us these three words, renew, rebuild, and restore as the theme for 2021. So in this new series, Rebuild, last week we looked at the subject of the treasure within you, which is Christ Jesus and all the gifts and talents that he's deposited in our lives. Today we're going to look at the subject and the importance of having biblical hope. Now I want you to know, as we started last week looking at the life, the ministry, and the story of Nehemiah, we saw the treasure that God had deposited in him, but we're going to see today as we dive into chapter 3 that Nehemiah had a way of inspiring or stirring up or rebuilding the hope in the people of Jerusalem. In Nehemiah 3 verse 1, in the CEV UK translation, it says this, These are the people who helped rebuild the walls and the gates of Jerusalem. The high priest Elishab and the other priests rebuilt the sheep gate and hung its doors. Then they dedicated the sheep gate and the section of the wall as far as the hundred tower and the Hananel tower. Now, as you read through chapter 3, it names the different tribes, the different leaders, the different priests who got together and rallied all the people around them to build different sections of the wall of Jerusalem, including the entrance gates, which had such significance. And as they rebuilt them and finished them, they dedicated them to the Lord, which again is a picture of you and I, if we want to see the supernatural, we've got to do the natural and allow God to do the super. And so we see here in another translation, it actually says this, and so everyone arose and began to rebuild the walls. And so in Nehemiah chapter 1 verse 3, let me remind you last week, literally we see the people of Jerusalem going from destruction and disheartedness and, 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 and a lack of hope to chapter 3, where they actually stand up and they start rebuilding the walls. Look at verse 3 of Nehemiah chapter 1, and we just remind ourselves, and it says, And as they said to me, the survivors who are left from the captivity in the province are there in great distress and great reproach. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down, and its gates are burned with fire. So they were in a condition of distress, but as Nehemiah came and visited he gathered information, and that information and that heart led to a time of fasting and prayer and, and getting into God's presence with boldness and confidence and, and standing on his word. And what happened is it led us to chapter 2, where Nehemiah, after prayer, after evaluation of the ruins and a reality check of what needed to be done, he makes this bold declaration in verse 18, and guess what happened? In that moment, it instilled hope 
in the people of Israel, in the people of Jerusalem. And in that moment of hope, they arose and they said, let us arise and build. And so we see immediately the power that hope has in the life of an individual. In chapter 3, that hope that was instilled in them by Nehemiah and by the Lord actually led to action. And you know what? The work of rebuilding the walls had begun. The people of Jerusalem had been waiting and trying to rebuild the walls for nearly 90 years. Four different prophets and priests had come and they'd done aspects of it. They'd finished the temple, but the walls were still standing in ruin. And so you can understand that because of this, they had lost their confidence. They'd become discouraged. And because they had no confidence, their behavior never changed. They kept going around that mountain of discouragement and no hope. And so what happened is, while they remained in that state, their situation remained desperate. And that's what we want to learn this morning for all of us. You see, in the natural, they rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem, but spiritually it speaks about you and I rebuilding the walls of our lives, the walls of our church and the walls of our community and even of our nation. So hope produces action and action stimulates confidence and confident people make better decisions. Let's read Nehemiah 2 from verse 17 and just remind ourselves of what happened uh, in this moment. Then I said to them, you see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem. You see his words started to declare a faith and that faith produced a hope that we may no longer be in reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and also the king's words that he had spoken to me. So he backs it up and he reminds them, listen, I'm not doing this on my own. I'm doing this through the word of God. And not only the word of God, the king who I work for has given me the authority and the, and the resources to follow it through. And you see, all these things were stimulating and, and, and igniting the hope in the people that were listening to him. And so they said, let us rise up and build. And then they set their hands to this good work. Now, notice we read on here, and this is so important, but when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official and Gershom the Arab heard it, they laughed at us and despised us. And they said, what is this thing that you're doing? Will you rebel against the king? And so I answered them and I said to them, the God of heaven himself will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But you have no heritage or right or memorial in Jerusalem. You see, there was opposition. And when others in the city heard that they were going to rebuild, they tried to crush their hope. They tried to break down their, their encouragement and their faith. But you know what? It was too late. Because once hope is ignited, nothing will stop us. You see, it doesn't matter where you find yourself today. Yes, we have to evaluate our lives. Yes, we've got to be realistic. Yes, we have to work through the pain of our past and the struggle that goes with it. But it's so important that when you're doing that and while you're doing that, you continue to allow God's love 
to develop and strengthen his grace in you so that your hope is rebuilt. And when your hope is rebuilt, you will start to take action. If you don't, you'll realize that 2021 will go by and you'll find yourself in exactly the same place that you were in 2020. It's important that you and I arise and rebuild the culture of hope, not just in our hearts, but in the lives of those around us. Let's be messengers of hope. And you see, we may be down, but we're not out. We're not giving up. We're not stopping. We're going to keep on moving forward. Why? Because Jesus is our Redeemer. And the Bible says He will never leave us nor forsake us. You see, God never said you won't go through anything. But what He did say is you'll never have to go through it alone. And with God, you and God are the majority. In Jeremiah 50 verse 34, it says, Their Redeemer is strong. The Lord of hosts is His name. He will thoroughly plead their case that He may give rest to the land and disquiet the inhabitants of Babylon. The ignites, how many of you know that ignites hope in our hearts? When we hear our God and Jesus, the Redeemer is strong, He's able. It ignites that hope in our hearts and it says, you know what? We may be going through things, but we're not giving up. You see, in Romans 15 and verse 13, the, the New Testament version of the same verse says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope. You see, God doesn't just want you to have hope. He wants you to abound in hope. He wants it to be of increasing quality and quantity in your life. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. Note something incredible in this verse, that hope is always connected to joy and peace. And so it's important that we see these three working together. Biblical hope is more than just a feeling or wishful thinking. It's an awareness. It's a trust that God loves you and he is actually excited and expecting and looking forward to showing you his goodness. And I want to encourage you today. Often we, we put our hope in others and we say, well, you know, God's doing this in that person's life and God's doing that in this person's life. But I want to encourage us today. You can have hope in God because God loves you and he's got a plan for you and he's on your side. And so in Isaiah 30 verse 18, it says this, therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious to you and therefore he will be exalted that he may have mercy on you. For the Lord our God is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait on him. This Old Testament psalm brings out an amazing truth that God wants you to take hold of today. And what is that truth? He is for us. He loves us. He wants to work in us and with us so that we can get better and that we can become everything he created us to be. Now, if that's what happens and that's what was available in the Old Testament, how much more isn't it available to you and I in the New Testament? You see, we are able to experience 
the depth of his amazing grace through the blood of Jesus Christ. And therefore, despite the challenges, despite whatever we're going to face in 2021, for a believer, every day can and should be filled with hope. Now remember, this is biblical hope. A confident trust and expectation that something good is going to happen for you in your life that will bring benefit. Jeremiah the prophet uh, confirms this in Jeremiah 29 verse 11. He says that God knows the thoughts that he thinks towards us. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. The Bible says that he is the God of hope. He is full of mercy and he's full of new beginnings. Now, we need to realize as well, sometimes in the natural, hope can be difficult to understand. But I want to encourage us today, hope is really a dynamic spiritual force. Hope releases energy, it releases strength, it confirms the vision that God has placed in my heart, and it produces confidence. Now, we already saw that just in one chapter, the children of Israel went from being in distress been in a place of, of not doing anything for years and years into a place where they themselves said, come on, let us arise and build. And then in chapter three, three, sorry, in chapter three, where they actually started rebuilding the walls and in 52 days, they completed the walls of Jerusalem. Isn't that encouraging? Now in 2 Corinthians 3 verses 12 to 18, we see how powerful this works in the life of every believer. It says, therefore, since we have such hope, because we have this hope, we use great boldness of speech. You see there again, hope produces confidence or boldness. Unlike Moses, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away, but their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament, because the veil is taken away in Christ. Because the veil is taken away in Christ. thought someone shot me. <laughs> because the veil is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Isn't that incredible? The veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. What is there liberty for? There's freedom to have hope. There's freedom to trust that the finished work of Jesus Christ is enough to get you through whatever it is you're going through and whatever it is you're going to face. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in the mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image. The same image of what? The same image of the Lord Jesus Christ, from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. What are we rebuilding? What walls are we rebuilding? We're allowing God, by the Holy Spirit, to rebuild Christ in us, the hope of glory. And so we see, when we have hope, or rather we see we have hope, because we know who we belong to. 
Not only do we know who we belong to, we know our permanent address. We are not of this world. Our permanent address is heaven. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And so therefore, God has actually called us and empowered us to be in this world, but not of this world, so that we can change this world by His grace. God is good, and He has a good plan for each of our lives. That's why we can and should say every day, I'm going to live in the hope of God. You have to make that decision. You have to choose today. You have to decide that every day, whatever's going on, you're not going to allow the enemy to steal your hope because if he steals your hope, he'll steal your joy. And when you don't have joy and you don't have peace, you're not going to have the spiritual strength you need to endure in the season of difficulty. Psalm 71 verse 14 to 16, we see the psalmist so powerfully writing, he says, but I will hope continually and will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteousness and your salvation all the day. So David knew the more I speak the word, the more I declare God's word in my life and over my life, the more my hope will grow, the more strength and the more power my hope will have. He says, for I do not know their limits. I will go on the strength of the Lord, my God. I will make mention of your righteousness and of yours only. When we embrace hope on purpose, it will influence every area of our lives, our thoughts, our attitudes, our outlook in life, and our actions. Hope releases joy. And we know that in Nehemiah we learn the joy of the Lord is our strength. And when joy becomes the source of your strength, it supports your hope and it protects your peace. In Nehemiah 8 verse 10, in the Amplified, it says, Then they told them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet drink, and send portions to him for whom nothing is prepared. For the day, for this day is holy to our Lord. And be not grieved or depressed, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And in the Amplified, it says, your strength and your stronghold. This word strength here is the Hebrew word maus. And what it actually means, it means joy is a fortified place. It's a defense mechanism. It's a fortress. It's a rock or a stronghold that protects you from the effects of fatigue, tiredness, weariness, or the lack of confidence. And so joy is so important. Now, let me explain something to you. Why would Nehemiah uh, and Ezra say to the people, the joy of the Lord is your strength, and that they mustn't mourn? If you read it in context, they'd finished building the walls in chapter 6. Chapter 7, they prepared for the dedication. In chapter 8, they dedicated the walls and the completion of the project to the Lord. It was a day to be happy. So why were they sad? You know where they, why they were sad and why they were actually grieving? Because they realized that they'd never obeyed the Lord in the first place. And if they as a nation had honored God, had honored His Word, had kept their hope alive, they would never have been in the situation they were in. And sometimes we've got to be honest with ourselves that if we hadn't made the bad decisions, if we hadn't have lived according to the flesh, we might not have had to face some of the things we've had to face. 
Yes, circumstance comes. Yes, we live in a fallen world and we'll deal with that on a regular basis. But sometimes we need to realize today that God is able to help us wherever we are. And so Nehemiah and Ezra came to the people and they said, listen, don't grieve or mourn. Yes, we recognize we didn't honor God's word, but look what God has done. His mercy and his love has prevailed. And today, let's make this a holy day because look what God has done. Look what we've been able to accomplish by the goodness of God. And this teaches you and I that when we are conscious conscious of his presence every day in our lives, we'll begin to experience his peace and we'll walk in the rest of God, we'll have this joy inexpressible in our spirit and our hope will be ignited that the world cannot offer us. In fact, when we walk in this and live in this place of hope, we become powerful like Jesus was. Isn't that encouraging? So here are just a few practical ways that you can practice living continually in hope in whatever season you're living in. Here we go. Number one, daily spend time with Jesus and begin to pray bold, confident prayers. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, this is the confidence that I have in him. That word confidence can be translated as boldness, as hopefulness. This is the confidence I have in him. If I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. And if he hears me, I know I've obtained the petition that I've asked of him. So let's spend time with Jesus and let's pray bold prayers and continue to trust God. Number two, every day do something positive. Even if it's something small, every day do something positive in your life. And here's what you've got to decide. Enjoy where you are. One of the things that Joyce Meyer said that, have, that has helped me so much in my life, enjoy where you are while you're on the way to where you're going. So many people are saying, oh, when we get through this COVID, then we'll start living. No, live today because you have Christ in you. You have a hope in you and you can make the most of this moment. That's what the joy and privilege is of being a believer. So do something positive every day. Number three, Be intentional every day in helping someone who's less fortunate than you. You know, that's a decision we've got to make. We've got to live. Jesus said it himself, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And if we'll start to live out of ourselves and not focus on ourselves, you'll become instantly filled with joy and you'll be amazed at how your hope increases. And then number three, uh, sorry, that was number three. Number four, Take time every day to think about and even maybe write things down and then thank God for the good things he's done for you and in you. What is that? That's developing thankfulness. That's developing an attitude of gratitude. And we saw at the start of our message this morning during the praise and worship intro from that verse uh, that Gratefulness and thankfulness is such a powerful principle. When we praise him, it releases God's power to work in our hearts. And so every day, thank God for something good that he's done for you. You see, hope is something 
that doesn't always happen automatically. You've got to develop hope in you over a period of time until it becomes a habit. Hope must become a good habit. And one of the ways you do this is to remind yourself regularly that you are expectant for good things that are going to happen to you because God is looking for ways to bless you. God is looking for ways to be good to you. And you see, when you start turning that out towards other people and you become a vessel for God to do good things for others, you are sowing the right seeds into your life and ministry. Ask God to help you every day to live in hope and regularly by faith make this declaration. Something good is going to happen for me. Let's say it together. Something good is going to happen for me. You could even say it this way. Something good is going to happen in me today. Because sometimes the things that happen start on the inside. So in conclusion, and with all the above in mind, set some time aside this week and think about your dreams for the future. Stimulate the hope that God has deposited in his word and let it become part of you. Maybe grab your vision card that we looked at a couple of weeks back and start to write down some of those hopes, some of those dreams, and some of those visions. Maybe even post some of those notes up on your wall, around your house, in your car, with a scripture reminding you that you are expectant for good things to happen. Pray and continue to ask God to renew your hope and the great plans that he has for you. Together, as a church, let's start to rebuild our hope and the hope of those in our neighborhood. In Psalm 27, verse 14, it says this, Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You see, we firmly place our hope in God. We don't place our hope in who we are. We're not setting our hope on our own ability or our own opportunity or our own intelligent minds. No, our hope is in the Lord our God. And you know Psalm 118 says this, it is better to trust in the Lord than to trust in princes. And so our hope is in the Lord our God. Let's pray together this morning as we conclude. Father God, I thank you for every person that is listening and every person who will listen. And I declare the blessing and favor of God over their lives. I pray in this moment that if they are sick, that healing will flow into them right now by the grace of Jesus Christ. Lord, if they discouraged, let encouragement rise up within them right now. Lord, fill us with your hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're listening or watching today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. The first step into everlasting hope is making Jesus the Lord of your life. So if you'd like to pray that prayer right now, simply pray it with me out aloud and repeat these words after me. Say, Father God, I believe Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross of Calvary and that you raised him from the dead so that I could be saved. I gladly open my heart and receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me today. 
If you just prayed that prayer, you are born again. You are washed in the blood of Jesus and you are brand new and you are filled with the hope of eternal life. God bless you. If you prayed that prayer today, we'd love to hear from you. If you'd send us a WhatsApp or an email, which is appearing on your screen right now, we would love to contact you. We'd love to send you a Bible if you don't have one. And we'd love to pray with you and walk a journey with you as you discover the goodness of God for your life. Perhaps you want to share a testimony with us or or share a prayer request with us. Email or WhatsApp us. We'd love to connect with you. As we say goodbye today, I want to say God bless you. Don't forget, this coming Thursday, we'll be premiering a communion service every week until we reopen. We'll confirm on social media the time that we'll be premiering. But come and join us. Join us with your family and friends and let's partake of communion together and let's continue to build our hope. God bless you. Mandy and myself love you. The elders and the leaders of the church, we're praying for you regularly. Have a blessed Sunday. Bye-bye.